We ain't got tomorrow. We got now. We ain't got next. We got now. We ain't coming no more. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I am Carlos. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. You know, we have a lot of time for better takes this season. (laughs) Greg Greg, Abinadamorphs. Very fun week one. Angry boy, Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Yeah, speaking of the bad takes, I think I'm doing a pivot to being a bread boy. Uh, I'm just gonna be uh, just gonna be baking bread. That's that's my new personality. <laughs> College football is over for me. <laughs> and for the last time ever, read at Pac-10. Read. Proud to be a lifelong buff. <laughs> Shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. If you are joining us live on YouTube, like the video, send us in your comments and thoughts, and subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe to our channel. I notice people are watching these, but they aren't subscribing, so help us out. Our goal is to get to 250 by the end of September. Uh, we hit our last goal of 100 really quickly. Uh, we're, we're sure we can get to 250 even quicker. Podcast listeners, we haven't forgotten about you. Thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We did get a new five-star review. This one is from a listener who used emojis as their name and i don't know how to say it but they write mexico barbecue and read last time being on the show are constants in my life i never want to leave me neither thank you our emoji friend we greatly appreciate it also extra bonus content uh on uh, bonus pac-12 football content for you on our patreon we did a deep dive instant reaction to the utah florida game on thursday uh greg and company gonna do a deep dive hour-long preview of the week two slate that was a lot of fun to listen to last week uh but that's dropping wednesday night or thursday morning i'm not sure which one of those two uh and we'll probably have other random stuff throughout the week so if that sounds fun to you or you just want to support the show go subscribe at no uh we had a full slate of pac-12 football games we are so back uh quick programming note though before we talk about the games we are live streaming this before the oregon state game which takes place at Sunday uh, at 12.30 Pacific. So a few of us will get on after that game to recap it and what I added to the podcast. Don't you worry, our uh, our Beaver fans. All right, let's get into the actual games. Pac-12 went 11-0 so far in week one of the non-conference slate, the only FBS conference to do so. Lots to celebrate here, but let's start with the talk of the league, Colorado and their 45-42 upset over TCU in Texas. Reed, how about you recap this one for us? Sure. The morning started with the highly anticipated debut of Coach Prime, and holy shit, it did not disappoint one bit. Uh, The Buffs came out on fire behind an insurgent performance from Shadur Sanders, who looked like he fit comfortably in the top five quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Colorado was also sparked by highlight plays from Travis Hunter on both sides of the ball, as well as... uh, passes out to breakout freshman running back Dylan Edwards, who finished with four touchdowns. The Buffs would hold the lead into the late third quarter before further chaos ensued. Colorado and TCU traded touchdowns on their next six possessions. In the end, the Buffs pulled out the big stop and iced the game to win 45-42. Opening the door for Coach Prime, his players, and most notably Carlos, to talk endless deserved shit uh, for the rest of the morning. 
Carlos, we'll start with you. What do you think? Can we not? Can we please mute him? <laughs> I, God damn it. I didn't, we don't need to start this way. <laughs> uh, uh, can I just get a quick, uh, by, by, I'll just go uh, group by group. Uh, Reed, who did you have winning this game? I had TCU, but I had Colorado uh, covering. Uh, uh, Greg, who did you have winning this game? I had, I had TCU. Matt, who'd you have uh, winning this game? I had TCU scoring 50. I was half right. <laughs> hey, Avery, who did you have winning this game? I am a woman, so I'm not allowed to watch football. <laughs> I was in the kitchen performing my womanly duties during this game. I believe when, uh, and I should get, I should have gotten this clip queued up. I believe uh, when I said I was picking Colorado to beat TCU, someone on this podcast said, what? Couldn't, I, I, that doesn't sound right. I don't think that happened. <laughs> uh, that wasn't me. I said, he you're such a fucking back idiot. Into I said, such chair. a fucking idiot. No, it, it didn't happen, clearly. He's lying. Uh, um, anyway, no, this was an unbelievable game from Colorado. I, I think I, I, I knew Colorado was going to be competitive. I did not really know how they were going to be competitive. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just knew that Colorado was going to hang tough with TCU uh, for the full four quarters. But this was even beyond my expectations. Colorado's offense is unbelievable. Like, they have playmakers. We're going to talk about Shadur Sanders. We're going to talk about Travis Hunter, I am sure, because they were the stars of this game. But they have a bunch of dudes, like a bunch of athletic, fast, small, but fast guys that were cooking TCU. Uh, Dylan Edwards, uh, uh, Reed had mentioned him in his recap. Uh, Jimmy Horn had a bunch of catches, was all over the place offensively. It felt like there were, I mean, frankly, Colorado probably should have had three or four additional scores in this game because how because of how close they came to converting a bunch of this stuff. This was an unbelievable game. Shadur Sanders, uh, I did not expect him to look, I don't know, he, he looked like, the fourth best quarterback in the Pac-12. In fact, he might have looked like right up there with Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I like. I think if you if I looked at those two those three quarterbacks and said which one of these is better, I'm not sure. I can easily say it, and I I might even pick Shadur Sanders of those three. It was an unbelievable performance. His poise. He looked like I didn't know what to expect again with Shadur Sanders, but he looked like. 50-year DTR out there with the way that he was making decisions. He was not making mistakes <laughs> at all. All right, Matthew Uberson's a big ol' hating ass. Big ol' hating ass. We'll get don't, to you, Matthew Yeah, Uberson. don't let him start his hating party this early. No, I just, I, I'm just very happy that we're continuing to take unbiased uh, national sports journalism seriously and we're definitely not doing any week one overreactions or anything like that that's i'm impressed that's I mean, all that's all I, I don't i don't i don't really care like i don't know how you can go from like watching brendan lewis and jt shrout last year and then watching and then watching D- Shadur we watched Sanders. Brendan Lewis this year, too. I watched Brendan Lewis yesterday. I know. <laughs> yeah, we did. We actually did just watch Brendan Lewis play against USC. Um, but it was like it was incredible. Like, I'm not sure if I, I can remember a debut watching that and being like, oh, shit. Like, that was impressive. Just not making any mistakes. And then, of course, Travis Hunter on both sides of the ball. Like, a very loud uh, performance defensively. Like, just breaking up passes like these weren't just sort of like uh he's around and sort of making some noise like he's breaking up passes in midair uh is what he was doing and on offense like 
putting out a ton of production, uh, making a ton of plays offensively. So I've got so much to say about this game. But Reed, let's go to you. What did you? What were your reactions to this game? Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the the main points for me too. Uh, I knew Travis Hunter was going to be awesome, like that was expected. But I think the Shadur Sanders piece was the big one. Like quarterback matters so much, and I thought that he would be a middle of the pack quarterback, you know, and he was pretty clearly in that at least tier two of Pac-12 quarterbacks, which is insane. Uh, he was so good, and just the entire team was so well coached, I thought. Like, to do that type of turnaround in one season with a new staff, with all these new players, I think it was hard to bet on that. Um, I mean, in general, I don't know that TCU is a top you know 20 team, but I think they're a, a top 35 team or something. And the fact that Colorado legitimately went out and went punch for punch and won this game to me means they'll be able to compete with with almost everyone in the Pac-12. Maybe not the top three, four teams, but everyone else is is fully on the table. Yeah. Uh, Greg, what did you think? What were your reactions to this game? So you guys were right. Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders were awesome, and Shadur Sanders being that good was a surprise. None of those were like the biggest surprise for me in this game. The biggest reason that I thought Colorado was going to lose by a lot and why I thought they weren't going to have a good season this year is because I thought the offensive line was going to be dreadful. And yeah. they gave Shadur Sanders a lot of time in that game. Like, sure, he took some sacks, but some of those were on him. And, like, there were several plays where he had several seconds in the pocket to go through the entire field and just wait for some guy to get open. It was incredible. I couldn't believe that he had as much time as he did. Now, TCU's defensive line, probably not very good. Last year's Colorado often. And what? they run a three three five. God damn it, you guys. <laughs> go go ahead, Greg. Keep even, going. Even on blitzes though, like it worked. Like the offensive line isn't atrocious. Last year's Colorado offensive line, you know, they get killed. But the combination of this offensive line being maybe decent, plus I think possibly the best okay, maybe not the best because this conference has some really good ones, but one of the best play callers in the conference and Sean Lewis. Like, Colorado's offense is going to genuinely be good throughout the year. And that was something that I was not expecting. All right, Matthew Hubertson, you've been waiting patiently no, to I be a go big first. Old... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Avery. I have nice Sorry. things to say. We didn't even mention that Shadur Sanders broke Colorado's single-game passing record with 510 yards in his first ever start for Colorado. Like, I, I get everyone's like, actually, TCU's bad. I do not give a shit. There are worse defenses in the Pac-12. I'll tell you that right now. I do not care how bad TCU is. There are worse teams in the Pac-12. And the thought of Shadur Sanders doing better later in the season is, quite frankly, terrifying. Um, He was amazing. He had five receivers with over 100 yards. That's just absolutely incredible. I definitely didn't expect it, and I feel like an idiot now looking back. But going back to, like, I, I definitely thought that this team wouldn't, like, play together as a unit because that's pretty typical with teams that are, like, young or with a lot of transfers. And I think that just really goes to show that having a likable coach that you respect and want to play for does a lot for your team. It it genuinely really helps. Like, I'm glad we're getting out of this whole narrative that coaches need to be assholes that aren't, don't treat their players with respect 
because like these guys clearly love playing for Deion Sanders. It, it's fun to watch them play for Deion Sanders. And I think it's really impressive how they were able to like play as a full unit out there. All right now we can get to you, Matthew Richardson. You're waiting patiently. Avery. Okay. So like most of you guys missed what was actually most impressive of Colorado this game. Um, Avery started to touch on it, but once again, you all are idiots. Mm. I, the, Colorado coaching staff is good question mark maybe an exclamation point like I did not expect this team to show up and what they didn't have a penalty till the third quarter they straight up knew what they were doing they were like they were very very competent offensively even defensively there was never a situation of there was two number threes on a kick return that uh (laughs) completely like flipped the game right like I, I, when you look at like Ole Miss last year, I know none of you all like watch actual college football. Like a Portal King team like this is not this competent and disciplined. Um, I was very, very, very impressed with the coaching job by Colorado. I did not think that they would be able to be this like disciplined and just like flat out competent in this game, and like especially to start like that to me was the biggest like okay this is gonna work like this is actually like yeah if you're like a florida that is gonna open this year or like a like potential uh like usc if lincoln riley is going somewhere like i would definitely take a genuine look at bringing Deion sanders in (laughs) um because this staff is really really good now to be a hate and ass (laughs) shador was very good Outside of deep balls, because the deep balls were extremely impressive, I don't think he threw into coverage a single time. I think everything was schemed wide the hell open, which is great. Scheme matters. That's great. And you have to make the throws. We saw plenty of times, cough, like even in the UCLA game last night, where schemed wide open doesn't mean a completed pass, right? Like he was great. The defense that TCU ran out there was horrific. And I don't know that there's any other way to say it. Maybe TCU ends up getting it together. I'm sure they will. They have a good coaching staff. They obviously showed that last year. But they only brought back three starters from last year's team. And like, I think that projecting that forward and saying that there are definitely worse defenses in the Pac-12, I don't know that there are. There like, are. I, I know it, actually. I don't know that there are. I'm pretty This confident. was really, really bad. Um, secondly, like the TCU offensive game plan – um, Amani Bailey, 14 carries for 164 yards. I don't know why he's not running the ball 20 plus times. Trey Sanders, 15 carries, three touchdowns, only 46 yards for him. But like the fact that TCU was like, oh yeah, no Chandler Morris, we're running with him. Like that's how we're going to win this game was insane. Uh, last thing that's like just hating ass, uh, Colorado could not run the ball in this game. A uh, 37% success rate. Obviously, apparently with Shador and Travis Hunter, like, yeah, ride your two dudes. You don't need to run the ball. But, like, again, when talking about, like, some halfway decent defenses that do exist in the Pac-12, I I don't know that they're just going to be able to flat out score like this at all. And clearly, they're going to give up points. So I think they're going to be incredibly fun. I, I have a really, really hard time projecting this forward and being like, yeah, seven and five is totally happening. I mean, I appreciate the counterpoints, but... To go from lock of the century, TCU, minus 20 and a half, to Colorado winning outright, they have a three and a half win over under. And you look at the schedule and like, yeah, I agree. You know, a seven wins a lock now. Sure, it's not. But 
Nebraska looks like a win. Colorado State looks like a win. Arizona State, Stanford, I'd have them favored. UCLA, Arizona, Wazoo, toss-ups at worst. Like, bowl eligibility is is not only a real possibility, it might be the likely probability at this point. If you can't say seven and five is a lock, how can that be a likely probability? One less win? <laughs> I mean, likely probability and locks are not the same thing, uh, number one. But number two, I, I mean, I, I totally get, and, and I'm seeing all sorts of conversation people about people doing revisionism and revisionist history here around, well, TCU sucks. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, TCU is just garbage. Like, I think it's crazy to me that people have gone from there's no fucking way Colorado's going to touch TCU. They're going to get fucking torched to, oh, well, TCU was bad. Uh, obviously, they lost a ton of production. I like how we have heard shit, jack shit, including from you, Matthew Hubertson, about TCU's lost production. And suddenly, when Colorado wins outright in Fort Worth, Texas, in fucking Fort Worth, Texas, now suddenly we're hearing about returning production. Valid points, but also, to counterbalance that, uh, TCU got much more talented per team talent composite. They added about eight or nine additional blue chips to their roster. So yes, their offense is losing a lot of production, but it's gaining a lot of talent too. Uh, so I, I guess I'm just, I, I, I don't know how we can like not, how we can suddenly say, well, you know, this, this is, uh, we're not really sure what Colorado is. I mean, we went from Colorado's a two and three win team to we're not sure what Colorado is. I think that means that we think there it's possible that they can go bowl eligible, go seven to five. I don't think, honestly, their ceiling is raised enough for me to say there's a chance they go eight and four. And I feel like with the offense that they have, uh, they're going to be in a ton of games. I will say this too. We're talking a lot about their offense. Their defense did not perform well. At the same time, it was not horrid. It, it was not Arizona, even USC level bad from last year. It just wasn't. I felt like they uh, got beat several times, but I never felt like they were completely out of position. Where the fuck was that guy over there? Where was Travis Hunter? Was all over the place making plays, but he had he had a couple. He had a lot of help uh, in the defensive backfield. The front seven, okay. I think there's some real issues there. I think they've got some real size issues, but uh i i I guess i'm just of the opinion that their defense is going to be just fine enough to keep them in a few games and and frankly it did a great job in the first half of this game uh kind of fell off in the second half when this turned into a track meet but they got the stop when they needed to um this was going back and forth back and forth and travis hunter is a good enough defender by himself to force a turnover i mean we talk about turnover luck like travis hunter is creating turnover luck uh in ways that i think we're going to be stunned by Greg, you got something to say. I just, I want people to remember the quarterback that TCU was playing is Chandler Morris. Uh, before the game, in the Pac-12 chat, some of you were there. You may remember me seeing that Chandler Morris is starting and then panicking and hedging hard on Colorado. I ended up making money because I was so sure that Chandler Morris playing meant Colorado was going to cover. Uh, he's the wor- he would be the worst quarterback in the Pac-12. I feel comfortable saying that. He's terrible. Uh, and he made some throws that he absolutely shouldn't have. I, I do, I do want to make some contacts there for the Colorado defense because it's not going to get easier in the Pac-12 with these offenses. That's fair. Uh, gr- grapes, you're on sack. Yeah, I, I do not think this defense is very good at all. I think outside <laughs> of Travis Hunter, they're actually very bad. Um, personally, I don't think defense should matter. Let's just do offense. I'm, <laughs> let's go. Um, yeah, I, I'm really scared to see how they perform against non 
TCU teams. I think there's some really scary offenses in this conference. I think from what we've seen so far in the Pac-12, like a majority of the teams have like a fairly okay, if not good offense. So that's scary, but it doesn't matter. Points are fun. Let's get more points. Um, I did want to talk about Travis Hunter. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Uh, That's too many snaps for one person to be playing. So many. What did he have? Like over a hundred? Like 110, something like that. Crazy. Obviously, he's incredibly talented. He deserves to play as much as he wants to play, but it gets to the point of where like he can injure himself, especially against a Power 5 schedule. And somebody, one of the coaches, because that's their job, needs to step in and like draw a boundary and say, hey, if you're playing over 80 snaps, we probably need to take you out because that's that's scary hours here's the thing about that though like can they win without him playing that many snaps like as a coach you need to put your team in the best position to win too and can they they win with him being out for the season because he's playing too much i mean like they need to think about horrible it doesn't really matter they're (laughs) gonna lose down the stretch anyways win as much as you can right now (laughs) i mean here's the thing about the travis hunter thing i think you're right i think that's too many snaps i also think I mean, again, just going based off the team talent composite, this will be the third most talented team on their schedule behind only USC and Oregon. I think the Pac-12 is going to be really strong, but I also think, I don't know, uh, I think it's pretty rare to see teams go from national championship game participant to like six and six, five and seven, four and eight. 2020 LSU. Ooh, yeah. I don't think. I don't know about that. 2020? That was a COVID year. That was the year they were bad. Yeah, come on. It was a COVID year. come on. They were bad in 21 too. Yeah. Okay, come on. Uh, So I think, (laughs) so I I, I guess I'm just like, I I feel pretty sure just based on history, because there was one example of this, that teams aren't like, TCU is not going to go eight and like six and six. I think eight and four is probably a floor for a team that's 19th in 24 7 team talent composite that, again, just came off a national championship game appearance. Maybe they won't be anywhere near as good as they were last year, but I think they will be probably pretty good. And frankly, in this game, like they were figuring some stuff out and they looked like they had. Uh, built some momentum and we're doing some things offensively that I think um, Sonny Dykes is pretty good at. Sonny Dykes, Sonny Dykes, a very consistent uh, uh, offensive coach, a little overrated to me, but still pretty consistent. So I don't know. It's like at that point when we when we think about Colorado and their schedule and what they're doing and all this other stuff, I, I don't know that they're going to have a ton. It's not like their schedule is all TCUs are better, right? It's like Arizona State, not good probably the worst team in the Pac-12. Stanford, definitely not on TCU's level. Uh, Arizona, they looked poopy. Washington State, okay, that'll be competitive. Nebraska, Colorado State, I guess I'm just not of the opinion that all of these teams are as good as or better than TCU. I think that's fucking insane to me. Grapes, you have something to say. Carlos, I'm going to speak to you directly as the other person <laughs> on this podcast that refuses to watch out outside of the Pac-12. <laughs> the move here is not to bolster up TCU. <laughs> to give Colorado some strength of schedule. We can admit that TCU is bad. We do not need to go how, defend how this Mountain that? West by We had watching. one game in Colorado one. No, There's I can n- tell. Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> we'll see. I would love to show bet TCU's record with you. You can oh even, say, God, you can even say, we don't know what we'll see from TCU. <clears throat> Let's not predict records for a team whose games will not watch outside of this one. 
I think that's <laughs> a, a good move here. I personally think that TCU was bad. Maybe they won't be bad. I think we shouldn't guess. I think uh, this is this is insane. Go ahead, Matt. You guess you're raring raring to go here. I just it, it's more of a final thought. I I think you're in. Yeah, I. I I love you. I think you do a great job talking about the Pac-12. Let's calm down on literally anything outside of the Pac-12, please. (laughs) Um, There are teams that have won the national championship that were dog shit the next year. Let's, like, please. Okay, uh, then then can you tell me uh, what other evidence do we have that TCU is bad? Chandler Morris. I rest my case. Sonny Dyke's entire coaching history. What games Um, uh, has TCU played this year outside of Colorado? Even TCU's record last year, look at the quarterbacks that they played and all their one-score games. Incredible luck. Like, they should not have had the record that they did. I'm going to remember this. Are you tuning in to TCU next week? I'm going to remember this when we talk about Florida being absolute fucking dog shit. I'm remember this. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, we are okay. going to fucking talk about that, obviously. Okay. Matt, Matt, I'm, I'm Matt, sure that's going to be a new your... take for you. I'm sure if it weren't for this conversation, <laughs> you wouldn't have that take about Florida. I'm, I'm sure that's Matt. where you're at. Matt, you think TCU is a top what team? Top 50. I don't think they'll be yeah, ranked at the end of the year at all. <gasps> top fi- All this to say that they'll be top 50? Top 50 still not bad. Kay. What are you talking you about? You don't know the... You can't name 50 teams. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking Carlos, forward to Carlos tuning in to TCU Nickel State, <laughs> TCU Houston, and TCU SMU the next three weeks. Can't wait for your updates. <laughs> and their record's going to be inflated because they get everyone in the bottom of the Big 12. But yeah, like, gonna, this is it, not great. It's not going to be okay. By top now, 50, now. that means definitely not top 40. Like they're I not, was impressed with... I, I think Colorado's uh, game was deeply impressive. I think that they don't even come close to this performance against even this TCU team. They probably... If this was 2022 Colorado playing 2023 you, uh, TCU, this is a 50-6 to six game. Easy. Don't know what yeah. you're t- what what you're all talking we about. Agree. Last year's well, they TCU did play game. TCU, <laughs> and it was close. It was close while Chandler Morris was playing. That's all I'm saying. He's terrible. <laughs> I have one final thought that I just I want to be extremely clear. This was a criminal coaching job by TCU staff, and this was a great coaching job by Colorado staff. I think that Colorado's coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. My concerns with Colorado have nothing to do with coaching anymore. I think they acquitted themselves very, very well, and I was wrong about that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our recap of this week's lead game. Let's take a very quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the slate. We'll talk about <laughs> more realignment stuff and week two. Don't go anywhere. Hey, as you probably noticed, No Truck Stops has a new exclusive apparel partner for this season, and that is Homefield. I fucking love home field. Uh, I love home field so much, so much that I purchase shirts of teams outside my home, like this Oregon shirt and this Oregon State shirt and this Utah shirt and hell, this Arizona shirt is cool too. Uh, I also, of course, adore the UCLA collection. I absolutely love this shirt. I fucking love this one. Bought two of those. And, of course, uh, this one. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I have a problem. It's very clear. Uh, Homefield has shirts from schools all across the Pac-12, uh, except for Stanford. And each school has a really awesome collection of shirts and even joggers and hats. Uh, we love Homefield so much. Duh. Well, I just showed you my 
collection of 10 shirts, almost all of which I purchased with my own money. Uh, look, this podcast is too principled and stubborn to just partner with any brand. Everyone knows that. Uh, but we truly do love home field stuff that make up about 70% of my daily shirts at this point, And for good reason. Go check out uh, your school's collection at homefieldapparel.com for yourself. And hey, while you're at it, go check out shirts from schools outside your own. They're gorgeous. They're fun. They're super soft. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. All right, we're back to talk about the rest of the Pac-12 slate. Let's talk about some dominant wins from the league's contenders, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Matthew Bridson, how about you take us away? Hold on, I'm talking shit to you in the comments. Um, let me get to the notes here. Okay, <laughs> so um, uh, USC, Oregon, and UW all did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they won big. Oregon ran a track meet, winning 81-7 to over Portland State. Ty Thompson even got significant time and like didn't immediately fuck it up and get pulled. It was incredible. Uh, USC beat Nevada 66-14, to hitting the overall by themselves. And UW beat Boise uh, 56 to 19 after a slow start, and Boise making things look competitive for a quarter and a half. UW fans are saying that Oregon didn't get a single sack, and that's why they suck. I'm saying Boise State all of a sudden decided to let UW receivers behind them, and that's the only reason UW won. And USC hasn't played anybody, so they just generally suck. So actually, these teams are bad, um, and we uh, we should talk about the teams that really matter, which is Stanford and Cal. uh well let's stick with usc oregon and washington for now uh thank you thank you matthew (laughs) Richardson, for that recap uh so here's here's our question for the game we can start with greg here greg which team uh impressed you the most usc oregon or washington i'm not gonna lie didn't watch the oregon game so i'm not gonna talk about them uh they were on at the same time as Washington and Cal, and I was weirdly locked into the Cal game. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Washington looked so good. Like, the defense early on was kind of suspect. Uh, there were some some plays by Boise that I was worried about. But you just can't not love watching the Washington offense. Like, the ball that Michael Penix throws is just beautiful. And I, I love it every time. The receivers are ridiculously good. Uh, the, each of them, it felt like, made an insane play or two during that game. Uh, Roma Dunze is a first-round pick, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, Washington looks scary. That offense especially, I'm excited. Although I will say, I am worried about what happens if a team gets a pass rush on Penix again. Because I did think there were some moments where that was scary against Boise. Uh, and, you know, you go back to the UCLA game last year. The reason UCLA won was Leatu Latu was living in the Washington backfield. Uh, against Utah, I think that could be an issue. Against Oregon, maybe that's an issue, although they didn't have any sacks against Portland State, so maybe their pass rush isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, against Washington State, that could be an issue. But overall, very impressed by Washington. Uh, Grapes, what about you? What was, uh, what was Which team most impressed you, USC, Oregon, or Washington? Just like uh, Greg, I was locked into Cal. I was in a fucking trance. So <laughs> these other games were on my other screens. Um, Washington definitely impressed me the most. Like Oregon played an FCS opponent, and that never matters to me. And then I USC, yeah. Um, Washington started out pretty slow, which is something that I expect ev- from everyone. Honestly, like it's the first game of the season. I'm not going to like hate on you for starting out slow. Um, their defense 
definitely left things to be desired. But like I said earlier, I don't really give a shit. I don't care about defenses. I don't think they're important anymore. Um, I love watching Michael Penix play. I love their offense so much. It's definitely, in my opinion, like one of the most fun offenses in the conference. There's a lot of fun offenses, though. But I'm definitely excited to see like what they'll do next week. Actually, is Michigan State a better opponent than Boise no. State? I feel like no. that's not even... Eh. Boise's better. I guess on the road, I'm more excited to see how they'll perform. Might be a coaching difference, but that's about it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was deeply impressed by Washington. I was, uh, I don't want to say shocked, but I was a little surprised. Uh, they are more than just fun. I think they're dangerous. Uh, I think that, that, uh, what a take. they have, they have so many weapons. It's, it's ridiculous. Like it was Jalen McMillan, uh, I think had the best game of all the receivers in, uh, in this one. Of course you did. As, as the pro, as I have prophesized, prophesized, prophesied, whatever, um, but I mean, it was like Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze. It was Jalen Polk. Uh, he he looked awesome. Jeremy Bernard had a few really fantastic plays in this game. Jack Westover had a couple of catches. Like they were throwing it all over the place, and it felt like I know it wasn't like this, but this is what I feel like with Washington now, and and I'm shocked that it just kind of keeps continuing. It feels like they're all bombs. Like <laughs> they're all it like. Feel like- they are. <laughs> yeah. If it, it honestly is just like every single game, every single snap, Michael Penix is dropping back, has a ton of time, and he fucking drops a massive bomb for like 40 yards. It's either like in the hands of the receiver or they catch it. And it's honestly fucking ridiculous. It's fucking terrifying. If you're like a Pac-12 team that doesn't have like a USC or Washington level offense or maybe an Oregon level offense, you're like... How the fuck are you going to deal with that? Uh, I am not sure that there is a secondary in the Pac-12, at least through game one, that can keep up with with Washington's receivers. There's exactly one um, defensive back in the Pac-12 that I think can keep up with Washington. <laughs> Travis Hunter versus, <laughs> Travis Hunter versus Washington would be elite television. He's would be so good. 200 yards and he's going to be com- uh, 200 yards receiving. He's going to be covering Roma Dunze the whole game. <laughs> I want I want the GPS tracking for Travis Hunter in that game. I want to know how much he runs. Because oh, he's they, running I gassers don't every play. I playing this year. Yeah, they I'm not sure. They they title game. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, the Colorado-Washington Pac-12 title game. But it was unbelievably impressive i just feel like washington is uh i I, here's the thing about washington's offensive performances we sort of thought it was going to be a a really explosive offense again Um, i think it was actually materially important that they came out and did this to boise state um after you know six months of reed and matt and a little bit of me saying that they're fraudulent to come out and beat the fuck out of boise state Uh, what people are talking about is, is a good boise state team and to do it the way they did, deeply impressive. I think even more impressive, and and even the scariest for Washington, is that in the last two and a half quarters of this game, the defense was pretty good. It was it was not bad at all. Uh, I, I thought uh, early on the defensive backs were getting beat a little bit by Boise State, um, but they uh, were never really that out of position and started figuring stuff out late in the uh, in this game to really pull away from Boise state. I think that's how Washington actually ended up taking over and taking control of this game. Definitively was when their defense started locking up. I think that their defensive backs are 
better, at least from what it looked like this game. They looked better than they did last year. They did not look listless and out of position uh, like they had all of last season. And their pass rush is pretty good, too. Uh, we knew their pass rush was pretty good last year. It's it's about the same, but their defensive backs and their secondary, we said this. We had said this preseason. We've been saying this, that like if they're going to get better defensively, it's going to come from their secondary. And it didn't look bad. This is like a – it was a pretty good first test. And I've got to say, they looked better defensively. So, anyway, I've also picked Washington in this one. Anyone else uh, have any thoughts about Washington before we move on? I want to hate and ass again. Um, <laughs> coaching malpractice by Boise. You're only getting positive yardage while running the ball, twenty, and you only run for 27 rushes while throwing it for 58 absolutely insane just a terrible and like honestly as far as the defensive backs go the defensive backs actually kept up with the wide receivers pretty well all of a sudden the safeties decided that they weren't just going to stand 50 yards off the line of scrimmage and let the wide receivers (laughs) get behind them when you're talking about playing washington you don't need to keep up with the wide receivers you need two safeties to not creep up to within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage for no fucking reason is absolutely insane yeah I, i i will say that i think a part of that is that by about i don't know the five minute mark actually exactly the five minute mark in the second quarter washington was already up 21 to 9 they got up 28 to 12 by halftime so i think i think cool. the Keep fact the that washington got out to a big lead had, back. had something to do with that so um, although again maybe to your point matthew Robertson, we did see someone uh, a team run the ball 19 straight times to come back from down 31 to 10 to win uh, I don't remember Follow. what team. Reed, do you remember what team that was? <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. Matthew Bertson. Ma- Matthew Bertson, which team impressed you most, USC, Oregon, or Washington? It, it's USC for me. Um, we're not giving RG3 enough love in that UW. Uh, oh, Boise we got to talk by the about way. that. Um, Can we talk but- about that for for a minute? Go ahead, Matthew Bertson. <laughs> this is our new king. This is He's our so new funny. king. He is unbelievable he is racing the damn dog he raced a hawk last year i didn't know that he's jumping into the lake and splitting his pants in half i (laughs) this dude loves his life and i'm so happy for him like he is so much fun and then just that has nothing to do with the things that he actually says while commentating on the game like all of a sudden he's like it's bombs over baghdad here he's like they're dropping bombs like like it's baghdad which is like potentially insensitive do you know the bombs over baghdad reference carlos no i don't of course you don't god damn it it's a music um, reference. Yeah. Uh, he he is so fucking... And he's insightful, too. I think he actually does provide some insight when he's being serious. It's just, you know, it's uh, it's hard because he's, you know, not serious most of the time. He, uh, there was a point... At one point, a Boise State player got fucking smacked. And he... And uh, Robert Griffin III said something like, he sneezed, burped, and farted all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> to, go, to go from RG3, who is just fun and energetic and he's always saying something that's not boring to fucking brock osweiler at night whose entire style of color commentary is just like wow you know leatu latu he's 65 265 so i've done my job now i I said that so i can go home (laughs) it was robert griffin the robert griffin the three uh, the third uh, was so so fucking fun i really hope we get to watch him every single week because he is He's a blast. I love listening to him. <laughs> anyway, he's amazing. Uh, Matthew Robertson, you went with uh, you were going with USC. 
Yeah, I just I do think that the Washington game showed the same warts that we saw last year, and I'm like I have the exact same concerns. Um, as far as as Oregon goes, like you didn't play anyone, and um, like you were able to have a track meet, and that's great. Uh, we've seen that before. It doesn't always mean much as far as the week oneness of it. USC in a second game, obviously still playing a team that is week one. Um, but this is like the first time that we've actually seen a competent defense for multiple drives in a row. I don't know how much I'm taking out of it. Like I'm not saying that there is as impressive as impressive as what Colorado showed by any stretch, but, um, I just, I think that this was like the most complete game from a team that we did not expect it from. Okay. And, uh, so let's, any, any other thoughts about USC? My thought about USC is they looked, uh, impressive as they did on offense, but I, I do think defensively they've improved a little bit here. Um, mm. I think, I think okay they haven't improved I won't say they've improved <laughs> thank you <laughs> they looked they they looked better uh against Nevada they did like I think after the first they gave up a 70 yard touchdown on Nevada's <laughs> from first drive <laughs> and from Brendan fucking Lewis <laughs> that was such a jump scare seeing him out there I, was like, what the really fuck? Was. I thought I was rid of this horror <laughs> yes yes and then Brendan Lewis is playing it that poor man uh I would never uh god I would never, if I went to another school, I'd be like, I don't want to play another Pac 12 school. Just don't, uh, just keep me out of that conference. I'll sit out for this one. I'll see you next week, coach. That's <laughs> what I would do if I were Brendan Lewis. Um, but USC actually, their, their defense against Nevada, I think, uh, did, did smother Nevada. Nevada got nothing going on after that game. Nevada, not a very good, I, I think it's very apparent that Nevada has absolutely nothing going for it, even worse than San Jose State was. San Jose State, I think, kind of looked competent uh, last week when USC played them. Nevada, not very good. But I think we've seen USC give up a ton of yards and a ton of plays and a ton of first downs to teams that are as bad as Nevada, maybe even lesser than Nevada. So at least a positive step forward. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, Alex Grinch got cooked for his defense in week one and week zero. He absolutely needs to make sure that this is like a dominant performance against Nevada. And he did it. So uh, we'll see. I think TBD on where the USC defense actually will be probably not very good, but we'll see how not very good, but not, not horrible. So uh, other thoughts about USC before we move on to Reed here. All right. Reed, how about you? How about you go next? Who do you got? USC, Oregon, <laughs> Washington, you big old honk. I, unironically, I have to say, like I, I would pick Washington. They, okay, they like genuinely. I mean, I think Boise's pretty good. Greg said he doesn't understand how anyone could not enjoy watching Washington's <laughs> offense. Pretty, I can definitely uh, say I did not enjoy it one bit. Um, but yeah, I'll. I'll talk about Oregon a little bit. I think, I mean, you have to frame this game like basically we all just got access to a 60-minute scrimmage for Oregon. And like take from that what you will. It wasn't a real game. Like Portland State was completely outmatched. Uh, It definitely helped some narratives. Bucky Irving, four carries, 119 yards. (laughs) Two of those were for touchdowns, so he's averaging 59.5 yards per tackle on his rushes. (laughs) I I, I, um, I fear that this is the Nate Johnson arc. (laughs) (laughs) The other big thing, I think, was just seeing the receivers. They looked like the step up that Oregon fans had talked about. 
Troy Franklin was great. He had 106 and two touchdowns. But Gary Bryant, the USC transfer, had 100 yards and two touchdowns as well. Uh, Tez Johnson, Bonex's uh, adoptive brother, had a couple good catches as well. Uh, so they all looked you know, good. It looked like Oregon upgraded a bit in terms of weapons. Um, and then I think on defense, it <laughs> there was one drive on the second drive where Portland State just cut right through Oregon's defense and everyone was like, holy shit, nothing <laughs> changed. Uh, and then Oregon's defense kind of stepped up and had a pretty good showing. It was a little weird. There were some key absences. Brandon Dorless was out for the first quarter for some reason. Um, Popo didn't play at a little bit at first. Triquez Bridges, a, a starting corner, was not playing for a while too. So it was it was weird. There was definitely like some new looks coming in, um, but ultimately, like they settled in. They were able to contain a very mid FCS school. I don't know that we can really take that much away from it, but um, yeah. I, the other thing is the offensive coordinator too. Like eighty one, yes, it's basically a scrimmage. But Will Stein at least showed against air he can run a competent offense. He showed he's played Madden before? Yeah, that's what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> Grapes, you have something to say about I'm very rarely a grumpy boomer when it comes to college football. I don't like fuck? to be Did like you just call me? <laughs> I don't like I don't like to like get mad at players for having fun, but going for two against a mid level FCS opponent is not what I would do personally. <laughs> I think that's not tasteful. Do whatever okay, you want, like... but I think going for two against fucking that's Portland State is why? Why would you do that? That's super dumb. That is super that's, dumb. That's that's our respect. tradition. That's what Chip used to do every year. I hate it. I hate it. And it owned. Dan Landing yeah. is not Chip Kelly. Yeah. Uh I will say, though, that the two-point conversion is probably part of a larger thing, which is that I think Oregon wanted to send a fucking message in this game. Uh, I think it I think it was I, – I think they had probably heard some stuff about being fraudulent, and I had, they had probably – they're probably pissed off about losing to all their rivals, and they lost, uh, you know, their last two uh, – I guess they didn't lose to North Carolina, but I, I think – I think they feel like they have something to prove. I was listening to uh, this really horrific fucking Oregon football podcast called Quacked Out. Um, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh, it's hosted by by Reed and our homie James. And y'all were talking about, uh, you know, how, how Oregon looked like against UC Davis in 2016 and how the first half of that was not good. They obviously, Oregon obviously ended up pulling away, but that was like a harbinger of things to come that that's sort of how you knew things were bad. I was sort of watching this game, to, you know, on the, on the second screen to see if we were getting anything similar. First drive for Portland, I was Portland State. I was like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> and then they and then they completely fucking blast them, hung fifty on them by halftime. That's when you're sort of like, okay, Oregon's locked in. Like they are, they're not fucking around. They they want this. Uh, now I, I I don't know if it'll all be in their control, but it feels like they're locked into me. Uh, they have a ton of weapons. I'm really curious to see how they look like against like actual FBS teams, uh, but they do have a ton of weapons. Bucky Irving going yeah four carries, 150 yards or whatever it was, is pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, but I I think there's some stuff to to at least take away and be a little bit more positive in Oregon. I think I think if anyone was was hoping that Oregon was going to be 
uh, let's say 2021 Washington, whatever, uh, whatever weirdo puts out this idea that 2023 Oregon is going to be 2021 UW. I think we say that. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, you know, here's the thing. uh, 2023 Oregon actually beat its FCS opponent. So I think Oregon's on a, on a pretty good track. I'll just have that to say about, about the ducks. Grapes, you got something else. Yeah, I mean, I totally get wanting to prove yourself and shut your haters down. Um, time and place. This is Portland State. <laughs> you have a really good opportunity on the road in Lubbock, Texas next week against a Power 5 opponent to shut your haters up. You don't need to do it against the local FCS team that just really needs that money or else their women's volleyball team is going to fold. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I Like, score as many points as you want, but, like, time and place, please. Y'all are forgetting about the Heisman campaign. That's true. Uh, there it is. Bodacious, baby. <laughs> Gotta do it. He's looking I'm a little dacious out there. he didn't trot out there with dacious on the back of his jersey. <laughs> like, honestly, I was waiting for it. Of course, if folks are living under a rock and you're not walking out outside, which is probably most of our listeners and us, um, there's a bunch of Bo Nix campaigns that are just like putting massive fucking Bo Nix uh, posters on buildings in New York City that say bodacious, um, in case anyone wasn't Listen, paying attention Listen, I, I think that Oregon knows that the Heisman winner is going to come from the Pac-12 again this year, but unfortunately, I do not think that Bo Nix is going to beat out a kid that is the best player on offense and defense on his team. <laughs> uh, or, or Shadur Sanders, I don't know. Um, I'm just oh, I'm just really appreciative ahead, that we were able to answer the question that Bo Nix's arm is still, in fact, attached. That's I thought that that was important. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to talk about some surprisingly good performances from what we think, what we think, what we thought is the bottom half of the Pac-12. Uh, Cal went to Denton, Texas and throttled North Texas 58 to 21. Thanks to a whopping 669 yards of total offense. Very nice. And six rushing touchdowns. Reed was the only one for us to, of us to pick Cal to win. So congrats to Reed. Meanwhile, my Wazoo, turn. <laughs> Wazoo beat the shit out of Colorado state in Fort Collins, Colorado after a slow start 50 to 24. They had 556 yards of total offense as Cam Moore threw for three touchdowns in 451 yards. And on Friday night, Stanford beat Hawaii in Honolulu 37 to 24 in large part due to the performance of tight end Ben Yorosik, who caught nine balls for 138 yards and a touchdown. They also started Ashton Daniels as their starting quarterback. That was a big old secret until, uh, until the game actually started. So Cal, Wazoo, Stanford all get big wins on the road. Greg, let's start with you. Which performance of Cal, Wazoo, or Stanford gave you the most hope for their season? So like I said earlier, I was locked into the Cal game. Uh, but I was also locked into the Wazoo game, and I thought Wazoo looked incredible. Uh, that was exactly what I wanted to see from them this year. Me and Reed talked a lot about them in our preview episode uh expecting a decent floor for their defense which i think we saw i thought the defense looked solid but the offense with ben arbuckle looked really nice i thought that was great especially considering the subpar offensive line play uh that they have and i think will continue to have throughout the season uh i thought it was a really really well designed offensive game plan and they i mean they did what you'd like a power 5 team to do they absolutely just beat the shit out of a bad G5 team. That was great. And I don't know. I'm excited. They, I think, are going to be a contender for that title of seventh best Pac-12 team. Or maybe even sixth with the way UCLA yeah. looked. Uh, Wazoo, I, I was... I 
least I feel like I started the first half of this game. Cam Ward was like, "Ooh, what is he doing?" I, I did feel like Cam Ward was uh, having some very Cam Wardy moments, running into sacks, running into pressure, not doing his offensive line any favors. He did clean it up though. He got much better, um, and and frankly looked looked really impressive in that game. Again, Colorado State probably one of the worst. I imagine one of the worst uh, G5 teams in the country, but it was in Fort Collins, and I think we probably would not have expected Wazoo's offense to get 556 yards and, you know, what was it, 50 points uh, at any point last season. So, yeah, I, I was, I, I think, a good good performance. Anyone else have anything to say about Wazoo? Greg, Colorado State versus TCU. What's the final score? <laughs> I mean, TCU would win, uh, but the first half would be close. Because Chandler Morris would be bad, and then he'd get benched. I think he's Colorado State bad. And then TCU would pull bad? away. Oh my God! Let's let's he's, stop. He's Colorado nonsense. State bad. It was that bad. Let's hey, remember, stop Colorado this. was Colorado State bad last year, and Chandler Morris played and got benched. Okay, <laughs> remember that. Colorado was <laughs> much fair. worse than Colorado State last year. <laughs> <sighs> All right, uh, let's move on to Avery. Avery, who's your pick here? Which performance gave you the most hope for their season, Cal, Wazoo, or Stanford? I need to get a- out ahead of some things before Reed speaks. You cannot talk shit about picking a game correctly when you pick the favorite to win against a <laughs> Conference USA opponent. Like, I don't want to hear it. That's... Like, Carlos can talk all this shit about Colorado because they were severe underdogs. Like, Cal was supposed to win this game, and they did. Congratulations, Cal. I, I'm definitely most impressed by Cal. I was a Cal hater going into the season. I was hoping that Cal would be really bad, and then I would get to say, nope, that's it. Don't have to watch them ever again. But unfortunately, <laughs> I got sucked in to this fucking game. I watched all 60 minutes of it, and I will be watching every Cal game from here on out. Um, Cal did really well like they started slow i i think that's fair it's the first game of the season they're on the road in north texas don't know why that was happening um sam jackson looked like all right except he got injured and ben finley i don't know who that is he played pretty well he was actually like fairly decent for cal at quarterback um Jaden ott was absolutely incredible as we expected, it still makes me like genuinely upset that he plays for Cal. I think if he were on a better team, he would get like much more eyes on him, which he deserves. But yeah, Cal shocked me. I didn't think Cal would be capable of scoring 30 points, let alone 58. Um, and I'm eating my words a little yeah. bit. Reed, what about you? Are you going with Cal too? Yeah, get a grip. I mean, come on. You you all picked against Cal. I've been embraced by my Cal family. I, no Chuck Soft's mentions are flooded with really Reed are. fans from Berkeley. <laughs> and I love y'all. I feel the love. I'm I'm already starting it early. Cal is beating Auburn next week. I'm fully I'm more Guaranteed. than Cal curious. I'm I don't know I'm that anyone's gonna in. pick against Cal next week. Reed is fully Cal sexual. Wow. Yeah, I'm a Cal sexual all the way now. Um, I mean, but genuinely, like, yeah, okay, whatever, technically, Cal, minus six and a half, who cares? But uh, you all were wrong on this game by 30 points still. Like, Sorry they for trying won. to be fun and exciting and carrying this boring <laughs> podcast on my exciting back, Reed. There, there were four of us By doing it, wrong? so you really weren't carrying on that one. We were all there with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally the only reason we still have a Berkeley audience. <laughs> no, oh, no. burned that audience away a long time oh, ago. Yeah. They do not they listen. They fucking hate me. 
They're oh, coming man. back now. <laughs> um, Cal, no, I mean, go ahead. Cal go ahead. owned like, and we talked about this all off season. And I said, Cal is a hat in the ring to be that seventh best team in the conference. And everyone laughed. Everyone said they're not going to win three games. Cal is here, and they're in contention to make a bowl game, and they're going to be in the thick of it in the bottom of the Pac-12, and, and I'm riding them all the way. Technically, every team in the country is in contention for a bowl game right now. So, <laughs> here I think I don't know. I'm really I am also uh, a little. I'm, I'm very. I have. I don't want to say curious about Cal. I don't like this meme. I'm really intrigued by Cal. Um, I think. I think I was impressed uh, by what they did offensively with Jake Spavadal as their offensive coordinator. It felt like they were actually like, they looked like more than a competent FBS level offense, which they have not looked like at all in Justin Wilcox's tenure. Like never. They had Bo Baldwin. I feel like Justin Wilcox ruined Bo Baldwin. I think Bo Baldwin sucks now. They brought in Bill Musgrave, which was maybe one of the stupidest offensive coordinator hires in Pac-12 history, right up there with, uh, who's the guy from Washington that they hired? John Donovan. Um, and, and so they bring back Jake Spavadal, who was the offensive coordinator under Sonny Dykes. Uh, Justin Wilcox chose not to retain him. He could have uh, chose not to, was considering it. Decides to bring him back, and immediately they hang 58. 58 for Cal. When's the last time Cal scored that many against anyone? 20, and this is against an, I have it. 2015. 20, oh, that's the Sunny Dykes. That's the Sunny <laughs> yeah, Dykes this era. Is the most, this is the most points in the uh, Wilcox era. Crazy. Absolutely By, crazy I to me. I think 12, I think, was the next closest. I think the next closest was 45. Yeah. So 13. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah crazy stuff um and and they were getting it most of it on the ground like they were this they had like a big oregon state field to it where it was like they were getting their running backs whatever they wanted we probably need to talk about jade not being fucking ridiculous in this game just a fucking nightmare 20 attempts 188 yards two touchdowns i had a reception in there a, a ridiculous player um a truly insane player i damn really really curious to see what he looks like as the year progresses uh, Isaiah Fonze, uh, also another great player. I think I think he's going to be a, a nice sort of complimentary running back to Jade Knott. And their quarterback situation, eh, maybe a little weird. Sam Jackson was very intriguing, but he got hurt. Ben Finley came in and instead was not bad. He was he was fine. I think he was he was good. He wasn't like to- a totally net negative at all. Uh, but it's really going to be the running game. I'm really here to see what Cal does against some some good running defenses in the Pac-12. I don't know if there are very many, but uh, I'm really curious to see what they do. So, no, I'm 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 really intrigued by Cal. I don't know. Depending on how the rest of the season shakes out, uh, this is one of the more impressive performances of the of the first week. So, I, bowl eligibility does not feel out of the question. Maybe a little bit more in a uh, conference full of teams that have proven they cannot fucking run the ball, except for like now Cal, Oregon, and maybe utah like that is a cool extra dimension that they have that a lot of even the better teams in this conference don't have like that was a flaw from washington wazoo wasn't good at it at all colorado wasn't good at it at all so i think that element uh you know could definitely help them down the road yeah matthew well matthew looks like he had to probably go feed a child or something like that um anyway 
uh, I, I, I'm going to go next here. Matt was supposed to go next. I'm going to go next. Who the most impressive was between Cal, Wazoo, or Stanford? Or which one gave us the most hope for their season? I'm going with Stanford. Uh, I, I sort of felt like they were going to go to Hawaii. This is another game that we consensus. By consensus, we all picked Hawaii to beat Stanford. I think we all thought Stanford was going to go 0 and 12 or going to be on 0 and 12 watch. First of all, they uh, eliminated that possibility. Second of all, I don't. They also look like they might be threatening bowl eligibility. Our homie Connor Liehi on Twitter uh, put out his predictions for the Pac-12, and then he had everyone going six and six. Sort of feels like we're getting closer to that. Stanford probably could threaten bowl eligibility. Uh, I don't know how where the wins are going to come from uh, because the Pac-12 is really stacked. But Ashton Daniels looked pretty good, physical, big. He was uh, there last year at Stanford as like a sort of, you know, wildcat running back the way that Utah uses pretty much any quarterback with any athleticism uh, and melanin in their skin whatsoever. Um, And he was pretty good as a passer and a thrower. I really liked what Ashton Daniels did. Um, And Ben Urosik, uh, I think very clearly the best tight end in the Pac-12, easily the best tight end performance in the Pac-12. Ben Urosik had nine catches, 100-plus yards, a touchdown to go with it. Uh, was getting all over dudes. He was he was fantastic. So and defensively, I think a lot of work to do. Hawaii did get quite a bit there, but Troy Taylor does have Stanford have a pretty decent. Um, did I say passer to throw? Thank you for <laughs> pointing that out in our little private chat here. Uh, I do think Troy Taylor is a uh, is a pretty good mind. Um, I think he's done a pretty good job with what Stanford's doing. So anyway, any other thoughts about Stanford? I have war flashbacks watching Troy Taylor's offenses. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Um, I think that I was shocked by Stanford. I'll admit that. I I know Hawaii's bad, but it was a road game on a Friday night. Like We know how those usually go. I did not expect Stanford to come away with this one um, as convincing as they were. Like I figured if they won, it would be really close. They looked great. Um Again, I think Hawaii sucks, but I don't know. I definitely think that there's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that have a history with Stanford. <laughs> they should be a little freaked out right now because guess who Stanford gets at home this year? They get UCLA at home, they get UW at home, and they get Oregon at home. <laughs> Scary hours. Scary hours. Yeah, I can no longer say that with a bullet. UCLA is not losing to Stanford. <laughs> I'm very fucking annoyed. Read. Well, okay, so two big takeaways from this. Sadly, Stanford killed our underplay that me and Matt and Greg were on pretty heavily in this one. Um, it was it was really sad. Uh, I thought David Bailey was like awesome on the defense again. But most importantly for Stanford fans, we got to give a Joshua Cardi chase update for the yes. Groza Award. Three field goals, all good, long of 46. Four for four on the extra points. He is killing it. The best player in the Pac-12 nobody knows about. Joshua Cardi for kicking Heisman. The, the He's doing the Lord's work. Cardi for the team. Cardinals. Is uh, Joshua Cardi the best player in the Pac-12 at his position relative to everyone else? No. <laughs> uh, is he better else? at kicking than Caleb Williams is at being a quarterback? Yes. <laughs> you actually think that? I don't know. I mean, he's kicked ass. Joshua Cardi's kicked ass, but 
I think it's very funny to be like best players in the Pac-12 at their position. Kicker. <laughs> the kicker. Josh Accardi is better at kicking than Caleb Williams is at quarterbacking. Throw it out on the streets. We're getting that propaganda up. In fact, I'll make sure I tweet that as soon as we hang up here. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to miss Matt Hubertson Stanford. He's just there. A little, a little I dark. I just uh... like to think of Matt. Matt went to sleep before the Stanford game was over. <laughs> I think he went to sleep while the under was still in play. And he was sure that this game would be under so i like to imagine matt waking up in the morning and seeing that points were in fact scored points that we did not think were possible happened and he probably cried a little bit (laughs) yes yes he probably did all right uh let's move on to talk about some pretty ugly wins from across the pac-12 on thursday night utah beat florida 24 to 11 the gang talked about that one at at length on thursday night on our patreon go check that out at notruckstops.com meanwhile that same night asu narrowly escaped a win over southern utah at home after a two and a half hour lightning and sandstorm delay pushed the start of the second half to 11 30 p.m pacific that game did not end until about 1 15 a.m local time but the devils did pull it out i know none of you watched that game you all went to sleep i unfortunately stayed up for that game uh, Arizona did handle FCS uh, Northern Arizona 38-3, but they had a couple of turnovers and ended the fourth quarter up just 14-3 on NAU, so I'm classifying that as an ugly win. And finally, UCLA beat Coastal Carolina at the Rose Bowl 27-13 after UCLA kept swapping Dante Moore and Ethan Garbers in and out as their starting quarterback, both of whom threw a combined three interceptions. So the Pac-12 did go 11-0 this week, but not without some ugly bumps and bruises and wins. So let's play a little a little game of overreacting here. Avery, let's uh, actually, uh, yeah, Avery, let's start with you. I thought Greg Talking wanted to spe- start. Okay, Greg wants to start. All right. right, Talking specifically about UCLA, ASU, Arizona, and Utah, Greg finished the sentence, it's just one game, but... It's just one game, but I'm already fucking infuriated with you. Why? Why <laughs> is Utah in this category? This was not an ugly win. This was a dominant win over Florida, Okay. You 24 to 11 even the score is ugly what are you talking who about who gives a shit everybody who watched that game said utah hammered florida so 14 point wins are dominant so did ucla have a dominant win over coastal carolina no because here's the thing some things are good and some things are bad all right and utah <laughs> utah is good ucla ucla is bad i'm following uh, greg's logic here. <laughs> utah absolutely dominated florida i mean like the post-game win expectancy for utah let me double check that i think i saw at like cfbdata.com they had it at 94 percent like it was just very clear who the better team was and i think the most impressive thing for sure was utah's defense now i don't expect florida's offense to be great considering graham mertz is the quarterback but utah missed basically the entire starting defensive line in that game and they still absolutely dominated Florida's offensive line. Like, you wouldn't have been able to tell Utah was missing starters with the way they played. Uh, 13 total rushing yards for Florida in that game. That counts sacks, but still. Uh, they were stopping the run really effectively. They were stop- They were getting to the quarterback really effectively. And, of course, you had, as well, Cole Bishop, best player on Utah's defense, Matt, uh, and maybe an All-American at safety. He's incredible, and he had a great game. Uh, he had a sack. I think Utah's defense is like the gap between Utah's defense and second place in the Pac-12 is bigger than second place in 12. It's it feels massive right now. I think TCU would beat Florida. 
I don't. Yeah. That's I think Coastal Car- I think Coastal I think Coastal Carolina would beat Florida. Florida fucking sucks. Here's my It's just one game, but I think Utah is finishing 6th in the Pac-12. I, I, I like have went through when I watched that when I watched it's the end of that game, I, I was sure that hey, Utah's like pretty impressive. Yeah, it looked ugly. They were fucking around, but they looked pretty good. And then I watched the rest of the Pac twelve fucking torch everything in their path. And I looked at that Utah game and said, uh they Cam Rising better A, come back soon, and B be perfectly one hundred percent fucking healthy, and C Better hope that Bran Keithy himself is 100% healthy. They do not, like, I was deeply concerned by the fact that Utah had no run game whatsoever to speak of. Jaquindon Jackson, the guy that everyone was telling me was going to be, like, an All-American, what, got, like, 40 fucking yards? Like, fucking ridiculous. Uh, Their offensive line had zero going for them uh, up front. And, you know, I was like, whatever, uh, that's, they're they're just fucking around. Their quarterback situation, a disaster. But again, let's just, let's just, you, you better pray that Cam Rising is coming off a torn ACL, like completely fine and ready to go. Because if he's not, Utah does not have the firepower to keep up with the, the offenses in the Pac-12. Their defense was pretty good, but I watched Graham Mertz for the first time. Uh, and yeah, the first time like this tells fucking, us everything we need to he know. He look fucking dog shit. You, would you say he's because you said Greg that he fucking sucks? Did you not say that? He does. He's also okay. better than Chandler Morris. Okay, <laughs> I am. Uh, I, he looked horrendous, and it also looked like the coaching staff. Billy Napier's a fucking moron. That I think needs to be said. An absolutely horrifically called game beyond measure. How? Like oh I, my God. like like just absolutely caught. Like he refused to run the ball but also but also just calling nothing but like dinking and dunking for Graham Mertz like that was it and maybe that had to do with the fact that he uh doesn't trust Graham Mertz but guess what Graham Mertz is their quarterback he fucking sucks so either the quarterback sucks or the coach sucks one of the two pick your poison so I I watched Florida uh I, I watched Florida do absolutely nothing hold Utah's elite run game in check and then their quarterbacks played pretty well but like you know those are their third and fourth string quarterbacks so like you gotta probably hope that cam rising is going to be measures better than that because they don't have the power firepower from from based on week one alone they don't have the firepower to keep up with usc they don't have the firepower to keep up with oregon they don't have the firepower to keep up with washington right now i'd probably on a neutral site probably pick Colorado to put up some points on Utah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I walked away from this game. My, it's just one game, but I think Utah looks like they're a sixth place team at this point. Matt, you're also, you also wanted to talk about Utah. So it's just one game, but well, Carlos, which is it? Is it team talent composite that we're truthing or like the, whatever, uh, fits my narrative. Yep. Okay. Understood. <laughs> Perfect. Cause how in the fuck could you say that Florida would lose to TCU when Florida is the number 15 talented team in the country? So it's certainly not a talent idea. Um, has a better quarterback. So it's certainly not a quarterback issue. Um, so which is it right? Like if we're going to sit here and talk about Colorado is great because this is the third most talented team that they're going to see on the comp on the schedule. And so this win obviously means something. This is also the third most talented team that Utah will see on their schedule. So why doesn't this win mean the exact same thing when they won by three more scores than Colorado did? I have an answer. My answer is that uh, Colorado's coach is much cooler 
I see. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, my my answer is uh, that will my my I guess I answer your question with the question, which is: Will Utah play in Salt Lake City for all the rest of the eleven games? Will Utah have their third and fourth quarterback for all of the rest of the games? Cam Rising will Cam Rising be a hundred percent and be much better than their third or fourth quarterback? We have a lot of questions about Utah. You all think that they answered them after watching the rest of the? We've Pac-12? asked these same questions for three years in a row, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Utah has not had the firepower <laughs> to keep up with anybody in the last three years, right? Carlos, yeah, Carlos, yeah. I just have a question. You, you talk about this firepower. We have seen every Pac-12 team come out there and look like dog shit on defense. Okay, you don't need. You do not need. To have an explosive offense in this conference to score points, I think Utah's going to be fine. I, okay, come out where because they look they look good in Salt Lake City, <laughs> but like I don't know what we're talking about. We we talk, I talked about this beforehand. I got it. You want to keep yeah? Okay, you got to move off the point of just Utah away from Salt Lake City as a different team. That's great, cool. They have a five hundred win percentage. That doesn't mean they're going to be the sixth best team because half of those games are at home. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm. My honest take is that I think it's. Re, I think it's really fair to be concerned about Utah's offense in a league that where doesn't offenses play defense. Are going to be dominant in a league that doesn't the, play defense. Do you, I don't know how much we can take away from Utah's defensive performance. When nobody plays I, defense, it comes down to who is better at offense, does it not? <laughs> yeah, uh, even Kyle Whittingham. What did Kyle Whittingham say before the game? He said, uh, "I'm starting to realize the analytic importance of being better at offense than defense." Are we going back to 2014 Kyle Whittingham or is Kyle Whittingham having a revelation? Which is it? <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm learning is that when Washington just throws bombs over the top, that's elite, a fantastic offense. When Utah does it, it's just luck. So, like, I get it. I understand. Hey, Bryson Barnes did throw a pretty <laughs> I also, ridiculous say, ball. Why, why the fuck are you saying that Utah's offensive line was bad? Bryson was Barnes bad had all day to throw. It was bad at run blocking. Because co- they got they got destroyed in the run <laughs> because game. Because Florida was stacking the box. They had eight guys at the line. Okay. I mean, why would we, why would teams do any different while Cam Rising is out? And frankly, why would they do much different if Cam Rising is going to be not 100%? Okay. I, this is a bad faith argument. I don't want to yeah, talk about this anymore. I think that Bryson Barnes should be named a permanent starter and should receive a scholarship. <laughs> he should receive a scholarship. Uh, Reed, you've been patiently waiting. Well, I just want to go through again, like what these road games are. Baylor, that's going to be easy next week. Baylor fucking sucks. And then the Oregon State game, <laughs> no. Uh, Baylor's yeah, bad. You Carlos. said that game was on the road. You said that game was on the road. Carlos, yeah. It's listen, listen up. Baylor, bad. Baylor. Baylor looks like good. Colorado last year on the lines. They genuinely. <laughs> Baylor, like, so this is not a joke. <laughs> C- certainly, certainly, Utah has never lost to a bad team on the road. Certainly, Baylor bad. Okay. <laughs> okay, but sorry, sorry, Reed. Reed, I know we interrupted you with our narratives. Go ahead. Look at their no, road schedule. The Oregon State game is the next one. That'll be really interesting. We'll see where Rising is at at that point. Uh, and then it's USC and Washington. Those look really rough. And Arizona is the last one, which I think the Arizona one honestly is the biggest test of like how fraudulent Utah will be on the road. Um, anyway. So we have conflicting ideas about Utah. I think I think it's I think if we're if we can come to a concept, we can we can reach some concessions here. I am happy to say that we don't know a lot about Colorado. If y'all are happy to also say that we don't know a lot about Utah at this point. 
I no, ha- you're I not know willing some- to say that. I know something. Ab- I know something about Colorado that I don't <laughs> and, know about Utah. And I've Utah. conceded that we know things about Colorado. Like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> you don't gaslight me. <laughs> all I know, all I know, is that Colorado is fun and Utah is not fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I think even if Utah's good, they will be <laughs> they boring be as fun. fuck. <laughs> this is worth talking about. No, this is worth talking about. Can I tell you guys? How much fucking like nostalgia I had watching Utah play Florida. Oh, it was wonderful. There was I felt kicking, like I was coming home. There was punting. There was defense. There was dog shit offense. My heart had never been more full. This is the Utah football of my childhood, and I was so happy to watch it. I had so much fun. With it was that wonderful. Game. I was so happy. Uh, all right, uh, Avery. We'll go back to UCLA, ASU, Arizona, and Utah. It's just one game, but... Oh, it's just one game, but I think Arizona State lost all of their preseason momentum, and I think it's because of the self-imposed postseason ban. Oh my God, they're USC fanning this. I obviously, like, if you watched the SEU game or even, like, had any idea what was going on, there's, like, a crazy weather situation happening, but like that happens in Arizona. Like these players that have lived in Arizona have experienced this before. And a few people on Twitter were like, well, what about Southern Utah? As someone from Southern Utah, the weather is like that there too, but it also snows. So I promise you they are fine with weird weather shit. I genuinely think like Arizona State had so much momentum going into the season with a new head coach, a new head coach who's an alumni, which is like exactly what a program like Arizona State wants, like a guy that they feel like will be loyal to them and can like restart this program and get them back on track like there was so much excitement going into the season and less than a week before their first game it is announced that they will be self-imposing a ban on the postseason like that's a big old fuck you to their players and quite frankly like I'm still angry about it Ray Anderson should be fired but like I I was very excited for Arizona State going into the season. Like, I had a lot of questions about Arizona State. I thought they were going to be a fun time. I thought they were just going to be a team that's like, gets out there and does their best. But it genuinely seems like they've lost all their momentum. And I don't blame them. I would feel the same way if I was told that bowl eligibility wasn't on the table for me anymore. Yeah, Arizona State, I think, is uh, having watched that game. I think they've got a lot of shit to figure out. defensively thought they were i guess fine southern utah did get break off a few big runs uh and had a few explosive plays offensively though they've got a lot of stuff to figure out i do wonder about uh how much the delay fucked with arizona state because Jaden rashada looked really good in the first half and then fell off a cliff in the second half he did not look the same whatsoever he was missing targets he was not in a rhythm at all and so i do wonder how much of that was the weather delay He's also true freshman coming straight out of high school. He's apparently 20 years old, which is crazy for a true freshman. But um, so he is a little bit older, but this is his first college football game, right, at this level. So I do think, you know, there's a lot to hedge here, but they didn't look good. Uh, I thought they looked very ugly. I don't think any Arizona State fan is very particularly pleased with this performance. They know it's game one of the Kenny Dillingham era. They know that there was a crazy weather delay that made push this game to start the second half at 1130, but I, it, it, it was still concerning. I think there's some, they, they, I think pretty definitively this team looked the worst of all the PAC 12 teams so far this week. 
Matthew Richardson, you were going to say something. Um, I was just the the comment of like they lost all of their preseason momentum. This is kind of exactly what the path for the season was going to be for ASU. I think that we expected them to be poor and to improve a lot throughout the season. So um, I am not concerned about ASU at all. I think that this was kind of like this was one of the, the splits on duo does like a preseason um, FCS upset draft. This was one of the most popular picks. Um, I think we kind of expected this performance, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's very valid. Reed, you're up next. Uh, when it comes to UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah, it's just one game, but. It's just one game, but Carlos is the biggest honk on this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here we UCLA go. UCLA was exposed last <laughs> night. Uh, their floor is not 10 wins. Uh, I'm sorry, Carlos. (laughs) I think we learned that for sure. J. Michael Sturdivant is fucking insane. He owns. He is awesome. But the defense is still absolutely mid. And this team is winning eight games. That's just what's going to happen. Dante Moore was cooking. He's electric. Yeah, I get it. But he's still a freshman. Their offensive line sucks. And their defensive line is mid. And they're not going to be able to win 10 games. Nice. He's being, he's being, uh, I guess he's kind of being not boring, boring, uh, grapes. I have a, you had I have a direct quote from Carlos. Um, honestly, <laughs> I am so mad at all of you. You let me delude myself into good UCLA. You saw me inch there and did nothing. My mental collapse is your fault. There is blood on your hands. And I think I speak for the rest of this podcast when I say that we took every opportunity there was to try to drag you away from the possibility of UCLA being a playoff contender even was probably something you said. And we told you, no, that's not correct. And you decided to do this. You are self-destructive. We are not at fault here. I would like to amend my uh, support of that statement by saying I did not pull him away. I just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, UCLA did not look great. Uh, I okay. Here's a <laughs> Carlos rocking back and forth, just repeating. Chip Kelly doesn't care about non-con. Chip Kelly doesn't care about non-con. Chip Kelly doesn't care about non-con. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh chip kelly i think pierce did not give a shit about non-coverage games i think that's pretty clear <laughs> um a few things about this game uh the quarterback situation absolutely fucking absurd very funny honestly very stupid they're like yeah we're gonna roll Ethan. we just we just spent all of our resources millions of dollars to pull dante moore from oregon's clutches at the last second by some fucking miracle they actually make it happen and they decide to start Ethan Garbers <laughs> after, <laughs> after all that. Ethan Garbers comes in, has an okay-looking first drive. Second uh, drive, throws an interception. Dante Moore comes in, throws a bomb, gets a touchdown. Third, the fourth drive comes around. Ethan Garbers is back in. He throws another interception. <laughs> Ethan Garbers goes back in, almost throws a third interception. <laughs> Finally, Dante Moore comes back, throws a 70-yard touchdown bomb on his first drive, pass of the drive, and then we get Dante Moore for the rest of the night. Uh, very fucking stupid. I truly think uh, 
Chip Kelly does not give a shit about perception. He does not give a shit about any of this stuff because here we are watching the entire Pac-12 light everyone on fire. And here I am being like, all right, UCLA, it's your turn, buddy. Please, please put something together so it looks like they belong in that conversation. And then they fucking do this. Um, Lots of things to be concerned about. (coughs) Concerned about. Uh, the offensive line, I think, kind of struggled. Put Ethan Garbers and Dante Moore in some really bad positions. I don't know if that's going to get better. It probably will get a little bit better. We'll see. Uh, the running backs, uh, Carson Steele, I really like him, but I am not. He is not my RB one. If I am Chip Kelly, uh, TJ Harden looked much better. Had much better burst initially. Carson Steele, a step slow. I think. Yes, a big bruising running back who, like, honestly, if I if it was like third and two and in a crucial moment probably might put Carson Steele in there to bully through and get a couple yards. But TJ Harden should be the one who's getting most of those, uh, most of those carries. The pass rush struggled, I think in the first quarter and a half and then really turned it on. They fucking destroyed Grayson McCall. They destroyed that offensive line. Grayson McCall had a bit of a, honestly, bit of a Jake Hayner <laughs> moment where it was like, uh, is he going to, is he going to get back up again? <laughs> and okay. he did, but he did not look good. <laughs> Once and again, the second please day, stop and, comparing people to Jake Hayner, dude. <laughs> I have seen one non non Pac twelve quarterback, and it's Jake Hayner. Carlos God, loves making up. comps with like the one player he's seen from a different conference. <laughs> and he it's overuses true. it until that it's, they die. It's true, but I uh, I do think the pass rush uh, looked much better as the game went on. The secondary looked a little bit better as the game went on, but man, they've got some real personnel issues there. They've got some real talent issues there. Uh, I would not say that they were always out of the position. They were frequently out of position. That, a lot of that has to do with scheme, but they also just did their, their pass rush zero favors whatsoever. So the secondary, I would say, is one of those that I'm like, that's probably going to be pretty bad all season, just just because it hasn't been good for five years now. It's probably going to continue that way. I don't think I have any reason to believe that it won't get better. I have reasons to believe the pass rush will be this good as it was late in the Coastal Carolina game. I have reasons to believe that the running game will be good. I have reasons to believe the offensive line will improve. And I have reasons to believe that the quarterback situation will be pretty good. I don't have reasons to believe that the secondary will be good. And that's a problem given that the Pac-12 is a bunch of elite pass-heavy offenses. So... That's my that's my takeaway from the UCLA game. I think we got some stuff. I think uh, we we've got some stuff to to learn about UCLA over the course of the coming coming uh, coming months. Any other thoughts about UCLA? Uh, I was promised Colin Schley. Yeah. <laughs> next game, he'll start next game. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. People were like uh, tweeting at me after Dante Moore goes in, and he's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" But we got to see what Colin Schley looks like. Well, Dante Moore threw that pick, and I was like, bye, Dante. We barely knew thee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. Schlee's in. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, all right. If we've got nothing else to say about uh, UCLA, that is our week one. We didn't even talk about Okay, hold on. Let's talk about Arizona a little bit. They suck. I didn't watch uh, the Arizona game. No. <laughs> I didn't really watch them either. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. They are who we thought they were. Like, they, they didn't suck. They were exactly what <laughs> Arizona sucked. always is and always has been. They're going to go like six and six. They're going to get somebody. They're going to lose to somebody that they shouldn't. Like, the defense is still bad. The offense is still, like, full of fireworks. Jaden Delora might throw four picks in a game. Who at, the fuck knows? At like, this point, who are the teams that they shouldn't lose to? Uh, right now, Arizona State, I don't think that they should lose to, like, Cal and Wazoo. Honestly, I do think that they are still better than them, Cal specifically be offensively. Good. Cal might be like, good. I know Cal, Cal might be, really be good. good. Wazoo might be good. 
Go ahead, go ahead, Matthew Richardson. Let's let him finish. No, I just, I don't think that they, like, I do think that they are still, like, a very much middle-of-the-back school and team, and I think that, like, they're going to be pretty fucking chaotic, and I think that's going to rock. Yeah, I don't, I, it sucks that, when they open this game, it was a fun team. It sucks that they're kind of fun to watch, because their quarterback is uh, basically, in legal documents, admitted, I think, not a legal expert. Allegedly. I think admitted, admitted to some some sexual assault in high school so uh i i i think arizona looked pretty not good to me i I think if it was like in terms of performances the worst performances in the pac-12 it's like number one arizona state is the worst and then it's number two arizona i'd probably say they had a worse performance than ucla did i get that they pulled away late but uh jaden delora i looked like trash for a long stretch of of this game uh, they had some moments, and NAU, you know, like they're they're probably worse than Portland State, maybe. I don't know. I don't. Again, this is me talking Definitely. about. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, we'll just talk about Arizona real quick. We are back to talk about Oregon State, San Jose State. We said that this game was going to happen at twelve thirty p.m. Pacific after we had recorded, but here we are to talk about it anyway. Just give a few minutes of our thoughts on how this game went and. In particular, the highly anticipated debut of one DJ Uyunglele. Uh Greg, uh, right now the score is that we've decided to just do this early. We got stuff to do. Can't spend our entire lives doing college football. There's about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Oregon State is up 42 to 10 over San Jose State in San Jose State. Any initial impressions about DJ Uyunglele? Anything about Oregon State that is uh, coming out for you? They're good. They're just a very complete team. I think that's the, the, the takeaway from Oregon State. Uh, defense looks good. Um, I, I think it's hard to tell much about them, considering it's San Jose State, but like they did what they're supposed to do. They did what a good P5 team should do to a team like San Jose State. They did something USC couldn't do. In terms of offense, it looked like a Jonathan Smith-coached offense, except with just the added ability of a talented quarterback. Now, that's not to say that like DJU has been like perfect. He has still missed a lot of guys. Uh, he's still got all the issues he had at Clemson. But DJU, DJU from Clemson is a massive improvement over what they had last year. And furthermore... Jonathan Smith is just a much better coach than uh, DJU was dealing with at Clemson. I can't remember who was calling the plays last year, but they replaced him after a year. So obviously wasn't great. Uh, Oregon State's great, I think. They they look like they're going to be a contender this year. Yeah, I'm, I am uh, really encouraged by what Oregon State has done. They um, <laughs> they put up 42 points on just nine possessions. Looks like they're probably going to get about nine possessions. I'll have to refresh to see what the what the situation is. But they've held San Jose State to a measly one point per possession, 10 points, 10 drives. Just for comparison's sake, we have our first common opponent between two teams to be able to compare because USC played San Jose State. For comparison's sake, uh, US, USC gave up about, what is this, quick math here. 28 divided by 12, 2.33 points per drive versus Oregon State's giving up San Jose State one point per drive. So a dramatic improvement defensively. Um, DJ Uyunglele, I think, just adds a different dimension to Oregon State's offense. Mm-hmm. Like they, uh, the ability to like 
be able to throw five to ten year tar, ten yards past the line of scrimmage over the middle with DJU's arm and his ability to kind of laser it in there, I think adds something that Ben Branson just could not give them. Uh, mm-hmm. And he tried. He certainly tried. And Jonathan Smith put him in some good positions. But DJU just has a has has enough talent, I think, to be able to do that stuff. And he's a pretty physical runner in, in a way that I think Ben Branson, not very not a particularly mm-hmm. mobile quarterback, at least shouldn't be right uh so i think Most those quarterbacks don't great. weigh 250 you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i i think a massive improvement uh the run game for oregon state obviously extremely good uh they had a epa epa on rush plays of 0.38 that's 94th percentile so like top seven percent of all games or so um, I, I, it was it was a great performance all around. I think you're right about Oregon State being a really balanced team. I don't want to say complete, just because some some talent issues, but like they're super balanced. They are. They have now. I think a very serviceable passing offense. They have a, an elite rush uh, a rushing offense. Their defense looked good. Their front seven surprisingly good i think really good in run defense pass protection eh, probably could use a little bit of work their secondary though turned it on late in this game uh they struggled a little bit early on siobhan cordero for san jose state i think he might be pretty good i'm i'm not gonna watch him but i think he'll probably do some stuff in the mountain west we've seen him now against oregon state and usc yeah he made some plays with his legs and uh, a little bit with his arms but oregon state held him in check 10 points off 10 possessions is pretty damn good um so I, i'm i'm really curious to see how oregon state pro- progresses i think uh <laughs> you're gonna be pissed off when i say this i think oregon state might have the best defense in the pac-12 um i think their front their front seven's good and their secondary was got a lot better as the game went on i think that uh it's possible that they could end up being that for sure they looked good like they looked I don't want to say they answered a lot of questions because it's San Jose State, but yeah. I think at least we know they have a baseline where if they're the best defense in the conference, it's not going to be that surprising. Uh, yeah. They look good at worst. At, at the very I least, think. it's Oregon State-Utah, I think. 1A, I 1B. I think it, that's exactly what I was about to say. So those two are clearly the best two. Uh, if Oregon State's a little better, I'm not going to be that surprised. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Oregon State-Utah game, though, because I think these two teams look like by a fair margin, the best two on the lines of scrimmage. Yeah. I think they're the two teams that rely on the run game the most. Uh, they're just a change of pace from the rest of the conference. And so I'm excited to see when uh, those similar styles get matched up against each other late in the year. Yeah, uh, that game's going to last like an hour and a half <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> with these new clock rules. Uh, no, the run game, I think I think both of these teams, Oregon State a little bit more than Utah. Utah's kind of can be a little funky sometimes. Uh, Oregon State gives me big 2012 Stanford uh, vibes because they have like an old school like chew clock. I don't know if they intentionally do this, but chew clock, pro style offense, whatever the hell that means these days. Uh, DJU is often under center, taking snaps from under center. Uh, somewhat slowish progressing pass plays, but not too bad. I don't think, you know, they're not trying to get it out of his hands immediately. He's allowed to kind of go through his progressions. Uh, and their run game is just really physical. They've their offensive line is awesome. So, you know, and defensively, they're a really stout defensive team. I'm. We'll see what happens. I'm really curious to see what the defense looks like over time. But if this continues, Trent Bray, like he's going to be a Get head, him a coach head coaching job. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a head coach somewhere because I don't know. Again, early San Jose State, 
a, a fairly untalented team. They held them in check. I mean, they're the metrics here uh, in San Jose, San Jose State's defensive performance, offensive performance is not good. EPA per play, Oregon State held them to 16th percentile. Yards per play, ninth ninth percentile, four yards per play. Uh, 41st percentile on e- unexpected points added on dropbacks. Explosive play rate of 5%. That's 16th percentile. Red zone success rate, 25% uh, red zone success rate. That's 22nd percentile. Uh, it's It was a pretty, you know, all things considered, kind of a dominant performance for Oregon State's defense. They gave up a few plays, sure, but that's to be expected over the course of a 60-minute game. So, anyway, uh, I'm really curious. Where would you put Where would you put Oregon State right now if you had to? If I were ranking teams, I would probably have Oregon 1, USC, Washington, Utah, the next three, Oregon State 5. I think that's still where I have them, but I think the gap between them and the others in my head is closed a little bit because some of the questions I had have been answered. I'm still yeah. worried about what those receivers do against Power 5 DBs because I don't think they're great. I still think that's an issue. Still worried about if DJU makes some bad mistakes against some good teams, and I'm still worried about what the defense looks against P5 offenses. But, like, the floor is raised, you know? So yeah. the, I'm not, I'm not going to, like, fully say this team is Pac-12 title-bound, but it feels more possible to me than it did a week ago. Yeah, I've got them in, like, if if there were tiers, it's probably probably be USC, Oregon, Washington, and one, and then Utah and Oregon State. I wouldn't even. I, it feels even weird to put them in tier two. It's like a tier one, one point five. Because well, right? I think I think the top teams still have questions. Yeah, in that's ways, fair. Yeah, like every team has their own kinds of questions. So like, if one of these tier two teams, because I kind of agree with you about where that tier break is, uh, if these tier two teams play well, they could absolutely win the title, and it wouldn't be that surprising. All right. Well, uh, the the points per drive metric went down here for for Oregon State because San Jose State scored a scored a late garbage time touchdown. Sorry, we'll look at Beta Rank. Beta Rank will clean all that up for us. Anyway, that is our recap of Oregon State San Jose State. That is our Week One recap. Let's turn the page and take a truck stop to talk some Pac-12 nudes. talked about this last week but now it's official cal and stanford are going to the acc at 30 percent revenue shares 12 of the 15 members needed to approve and they barely just got there with florida state clemson and north carolina all saying no nc state actually flipped from a no to a yes because cal and stanford maybe uh made some crazy travel concessions early reports are that they won't host very many, if any, not, uh, conference games to reduce travel for the other ACC schools, but they themselves will travel to Dallas and the ACC schools. So we discussed this last week, but can we get a really quick reaction, Matthew Ubertson? Quick thoughts. This is the bad place. I don't know what we're doing. This is so stupid. Like I don't, I don't know why you would like concede to not hosting games. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I, I don't like playing the Mountain West. Who cares? Yeah. Be in the Mountain West. Make five million dollars and don't have a bunch of travel costs run the conference yeah be good. win a fuck ton of games like, yeah <laughs> stupid absolutely stupid read any quick thoughts about cal and stanford going to the acc officially my big thing is like this is a bet on the 2035 college football media rights for a non-power two conference that 
your three biggest brands already want to leave. So I don't really understand why Cal is is pushing the chips in. Sorry to my Cal family uh, on this <laughs> this like ten year deficit or seven year deficit, and like why do this and not invest in the football program more aggressively for the past decade? Because if you'd done that, you actually might be in the Big Ten right now. Might be in the bit in the Pac twelve still. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Avery, quick reaction to Cal and Stanford going to the ACC officially. I just really hurt for non-football athletes. Like, this sucks. They This is even worse than teams that are going to other conferences because Cal, quite frankly, cannot afford to do this. And other athletes are going to pay. They're going to fold a lot of programs. And it's honestly just an absolute shame that we live in a world where this is happening. Mm-hmm. Right, quick reactions. It sucks. Cal and Stanford are dumb. Uh, that's my take. Yeah. Stanford tried to get rid of their athletics, a lot of their rev- non-revenue athletics programs a few years ago. I think this might give them the actual cover to do it now. I think they're actually, I, I would be shocked if they don't. Uh, Does this, do any of you have a read on like, okay, maybe Cal and Stanford were the issue as far as like what was going on with the Pac-12, the, the, the you know, hubris for like academic stuff like that. Because like, I don't necessarily think that Cal and Stanford were turning down the Big 12 and the Big 10, but it certainly seemed like those conferences didn't have any interest in them. And they're much bigger brands than Utah and Arizona and the, you know, those types of schools. Like it, it seems like they had to go to their fellow nerds on the East Coast to find a home. Yeah. yeah. It does feel like Cal and Stanford. I, I feel it feels like the Big 12 is making decisions based on who aggrieved them. Like, I don't think that they're admitting just like the best schools. It's just whoever, whoever made them pissed off and whoever they could like. Um, and it feels like Cal and Stanford are like public enemy number one for them, honestly. So anyway, that is Cal and Stanford going to the ACC. Very weird stuff. Anyway, let's move on to talk about that and talk about some game predictions. All right, before we get into it, Greg, how about a pick party update? All right. Uh, first, Chad has a statement that he recorded in regards to the Oregon line that he set uh, <laughs> that he asked me to play for everyone. So I'll just, you can just play it on your microphone? Oh, yeah, great. You could have said this to me, bozo. I tried. It, it, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, I saw right. it late. All right, go ahead. Hello, my name is Chad, or at UCLA Maltese. I help set the betting lines for the Pac-12 Pick'em Party. Uh, I, I fucked up. I fucked up. I will not apologize, but I did fuck up putting Oregon at minus 18 and a half. <laughs> I will learn, but this will happen again. And I will not apologize. I did, in fact. I fucked up. Wear your you. shoes, Chad. <laughs> Maybe anyway. <laughs> he, maybe he meant uh, to put the 81. line at eighty-one yeah. and a half. Uh-huh. That would have been a good line. <laughs> anyway, our leaders so far uh, at jtold twelve at Brian underscore Zarsky uh, KG of course the God is God back. damn it KG <laughs> uh, tail slap and guac. That is that, those are our leaders. They were seven for ten because the Stanford line pushed. Uh, and then seven for eleven were Gary at No Puck Stops, Pasty Zach, and uh, Sko is Life. Uh, in terms of leaders among us, 
It is Matt at 6 for 10, then Reed at 6 for 11, Avery 5 for 11, and I can't believe this. This is the most shame I felt in my entire fucking life. Tied with Carlos at 4 for 11. Wait, you guys this are is worse than me? my greatest shame. I picked uh, Portland State to cover. <laughs> My favorite part about Avery participating in these things is she's not trying to like win. She's trying to like find a bunch of people who are worse than her at this. (laughs) It's because half of my picks are like, Chad will say, oh, nobody's picked this line yet. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, Very funny. That's that's what we got this week. So congrats to you who have won. Uh, We're going to keep track of this as the season goes on. And if I finish below Carlos... I will do unspeakable things on live stream. Live stream. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Greg, for that update. Matt, how about an update on our picks after week one? No, I think that the gambling one is what's important. Uh, that's for real money. <laughs> that's what actually improves people's lives, and we don't need to talk about anything else. So let's just move on with the picks. No. Fuck. Uh, Matt is in last place at eight and four. Avery and Greg at nine and three. Carlos and Reed. Reed's great shame being tied with Carlos at ten and two. Um, the points are. Um, th- look, this is a flawed system. I think we know. It. I think. <laughs> I think we know that the, the points were a bad idea. We tried it out last year, and I don't think we need to do it this year. I think. It, I think it was a bad idea. Um, I think that is especially evident because Matt's in last place at eight points, Avery and Greg at nine, Reed at 10 and Carlos at 14. Uh, we'll catch up to him. I'm not I think the points, I just, th- I think the points were a bad idea. I think, I think just straight up record is how we need to move forward. I actually think we need to weigh them higher for more <laughs> no, being a bigger. Up. I think not backing the pack is, was the bad idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah, we, you're right. We lost, we lost our North Star. We truly yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, watching this for the first time, first of all, subscribe, please. Like the video. We really appreciate it. We've got a bunch of people here on live stream. Thank you all for joining us. We weight our picks based on how big of an underdog uh, teams are. Uh, the bigger the underdog, and if we pick a big underdog, we get more points. That's the system. And uh, I'm number one because I was both daring and correct. Listen, this so- system was really created for me, <laughs> and I did not utilize it the way that I should have this week. <laughs> it really was me. I just think it's I just think it's interesting that your witch powers left you as soon as you left Utah. Seems relevant. Probably. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Um, does anyone have actual odds for this? Because I normally do, but no, I don't, week, I don't week really... one's not over, so odds haven't been placed yet. Yeah, so we have right, no odds. Right. We have no SP plus. We got right. nothing. We are going completely blank here. First up, 9 a.m. Pacific, another big noon game. Um, Fox for Colorado. They host the 0-1 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, don't know the favorites. Um, who do you, Matthew Richardson, who wins? Who do you think is going to be favored? <sighs> FBI has this pretty even. Um, Nebraska only gave up, thir- lost 13 to 10 uh, to um, Minnesota. I know that a lot of people thought that was going to be a lot bigger. So really like Nebraska and Colorado proved better than expected. <sighs> I, I think I need to side with offense here. I think I need to pick Colorado. I do think that Nebraska will be far more competent defensively than TCU was, but yeah, I think I, we're, we're finding the North star. We're back in the pack. We're, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Reed. Yeah, I'll go Colorado. I think they, the line had moved to them favored by one before it was pulled, uh, but I'll go Colorado. Yeah. I think Colorado will be a slight favorite in this one. Uh, and I'm with Matt. I feel like Colorado's offense looked good enough 
like, you know, regardless of who they're playing, I think we'll see a good offensive performance from them. And so I'll take them because Nebraska looked shitty. Avery. I'm just excited to see what the stadium is like. I feel like it's mm. going to be a really oh, great it's environment. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, be... Fields, so yeah. I'm absolutely picking Colorado to win. Well, last time Nebraska came, it was like a 50-50 crowd. I'm curious if Nebraska is able to get those types of seats again. No way. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be. It's. I think I, Colorado fans are coming out for like Carl Durrell. They're, I know, they're, they're awesome. I love they're my, my Colorado fans. Fucking ridiculous. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Rice Eccles Stadium level. It's gonna be crazy there. Uh, I've, I mean, uh, I know that Colorado scored 45 points and I know that Nebraska scored 10. So I am picking Colorado. Good math. (laughs) Next up, 9 a.m. Pacific also. Uh, This one is on ESPN. Utah plays 0-1 Baylor. Utah probably will be favored. Reed, uh, two questions. One, can you tell me where this game is being played? And two, who do you think wins? It is being played in not Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Utah still wins and covers because Baylor fucking sucks. (laughs) Greg? Uh, Baylor's lines got dominated by fucking Texas State, so Utah's going to win and cover whatever the number's going to be. It's going to be too small. Avery? I I am the type to say that Utah really struggles in big environments on the road. I do not think this will be a big environment because Baylor <laughs> seems really fucking bad. <laughs> I think Baylor fans are probably pretty upset that they just lost to Texas State, so I'm going to pick Utah. Matt Heberson? Utah has proven that the path, the formula to get to a Pac-12 championship game is to drop at least one dog shit out of conference game. <laughs> if Utah wants to save their season, they have to find a way to lose this game. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it will be too much. I think Utah wins and ends their season. Hey, they have this Weber, they've got Weber State week three. I think, this, I think okay. they end their season this weekend. I, I think with a win. <laughs> with a win. Correct. Yeah, to be clear. Um, starting quarterback came out and the backup could not hit the broadside of a barn. Um, I, I, it's going to be bad for Baylor. Uh, yeah, I watched zero seconds of Baylor losing to whatever fucking tiny little school that they played and apparently lost to by a lot. Um, but Utah is a 500 program on the road. It's coin flip. It's, it's coin flip Carlos, coin flip Utah. Right there. Uh, I am going with Baylor. Yes. Yes. We're so bad. So here's your We're chance to catch up. The but arm, if Baylor beats Utah. The arm of the universe is long, but it bends towards coin flip Carlos. We'll get there by the end of the season. <laughs> uh, next up, big old gap here between games. This one's at 2 p.m. Pacific. Tulsa travels to Seattle to play Washington on the Pac-12 Networks. The Huskies almost certainly will be favored. Greg, who wins and by how much? Washington by a million. Uh, Tulsa's not as good as Boise, and uh, Washington beat the shit out of Boise. So, uh. Avery? I think that they should try to score more points than Oregon scored against Portland State. I think that'd be fun. So Washington You just said win. that was unsportsmanlike. No, I think going for two, that. I think going for two against an FCS team is tacky. Okay. Avery just call you dub thugs. That's what I heard. <laughs> no, I did not. Um, I think UW's gonna win by a lot of points. Matthew Hubertson, you're right there too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am looking for Tulsa's safeties to stand 50 yards away from the line of scrimmage. If they don't, it's over. Reed? Yeah, I've abandoned my fading Washington principle. I'm I'm on them big. 
Uh, yeah, give me give me Washington. I'll be looking to see if if I will call this a success if Washington holds Tulsa to like under 150 yards passing. That's that's my benchmark for them because they're obviously going to win this game by a lot. At 4 p.m. Pacific, Oregon is traveling to Lubbock to play 0-1 Texas Tech, which apparently lost to Wyoming in Wyoming in overtime. Uh, this game is on Fox. The Ducks are going to be big favorites, I think. Avery they're wins. Three- it's the, it's a three point favorite right what? now. What? Wow. Per per gonna, Caesars, that probably will like get adjusted, crazy. but uh, it, it'll Ducks get bad. Uh, but that <laughs> FBI are, is pretty split too. Wow. The Ducks are three point favorites. Avery, who wins? Who covers? This is in Lubbock. I don't I don't know anything about Lubbock. Um, I'm it's gonna a pick, Pullman. It's the Pullman of the Big Twelve. The Pullman of the Big Twelve. I'm gonna pick Oregon to win, just because I do not respect teams that lose to Wyoming. <laughs> Matthew Hubertson. So here's my question, okay? Because the Big 12 had a really bad week one. Has accepting the four corner schools into the conference already infected the Big 12 with all the bullshit that the Pac 12 has been doing the last five years? <laughs> because if that's what's going on, Texas Tech is winning this game probably by a lot. <laughs> I'm very Texas tempted Tech. to say that that's what's going on here. I think that Oregon's too good. I, I think that Oregon should win this game by at least two scores, but I am wary of the Do vibes. It. Do it. The the uh, the streets are calling the calling Texas Tech the Stanford of the Plains. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Greg who wins? Who covers? Ducks three-point favorites over the Texas Tech. I had the Texas Tech Wyoming under, which was looking like it was looking like a lock until the game went to fucking double overtime, uh, and so I lost it there. Uh, Texas Tech looked like shit. Okay, they blew a massive lead to Wyoming. Don't care. Oregon by a million. Yeah, I've got I've got Oregon winning this by a lot. Uh, I think they're locked in. I don't know shit about Wyoming or Texas Tech, but uh, they're they're a bunch of little shitty truck stops. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Oregon to win big. All right, let's move the rest through the rest of these quickly. We've gone super long. Carlos, always, always the case. Oh yeah, who did I miss? Me. Okay. Oh Reed. <laughs> oh no, which are what are you gonna pick? <laughs> I I had Tech winning this game in the preseason. Like I just thought it was horrible vibes, and I always pick Oregon to go ten and two, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this, it was such a deflating performance, so I'll, I'll pick Oregon. Plus, we're not getting any juice of, like, a five-point bo- boost for the upset here because the line's so small. How do you guys want me to do the lines? Do you want me to, like, list them tomorrow and lock them in? Or I think it should yeah. be before. I think that we should do it before I post the game picks graphic. Everybody has a chance to switch if they want, and there that's when we lock in the line. Does that mean? Ooh, do we need to make the Wednesday episode public then for that? Is everybody going to be at that? I don't know. No, we'll figure out. We'll talk about it. Anyway, uh, 4.30 Pacific on ABC. Wisconsin traveling to the Palouse to play Wazoo. This is the first time a Power 5 non-conference opponent is traveling to Pullman since 1998 when Illinois did it. So kind of a unique game here. Anyway, Wisconsin probably will be favored. Don't know the line. Matt, who wins and by how much? I don't care if this is a bad take. The Palouse will be too much. The, the culture war that's about to occur here. Um, Wisconsin, you think y'all drink in Madison? You think y'all know how to party? Let me show you something. Let me show you something in fucking Western Idaho. Okay? Let's talk about it. Go Cougars. Go Cougs. Reed, who you got? I've got Wisconsin winning, but uh, Washington State probably covering. Greg? I saw a line for this at four and a half, which uh, was interesting to me. 
I think Wisconsin, I didn't watch their game, but I feel like I saw someone say they started slow. I don't know. I'm taking a position as a Wazoo believer this year, so I'm taking them, and hopefully I'll get bonus points if they win because they're underdogs. Grapes? There's nothing I love more than fun little facts like... Uh, P5 opponent has never been in Pullman since 1998. That's my shit right there. I love that shit. <laughs> um, last year, I picked Wisconsin despite saying that Washington State was going to win that game so many times. I was a coward, and I will not be a coward again. I will pick Washington State to win. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin scored 38 points. Washington State scored 50. 50 is more than 38. <laughs> Give me a I want to change, change my pick. Can Go I change my pick? I want to change my pick. <laughs> I kind of want to change my pick too, but, but I'm... 4.30 Pacific. We're moving on. <laughs> Arizona traveling to Starkville to play Mississippi State on the SEC Network. Mississippi State will almost certainly be favored. Reed, who wins by how much? I think Mississippi State wins by like 10. Okay. Greg? Mississippi State by 50. Arizona sucks. Grapes? Uh, uh, I don't know what to do. Gosh. Okay. I think I'm going to pick Mississippi State. No. I'm going to pick Arizona. I'm going to pick Arizona <laughs> because pack the pack. Okay. Uh, Matt Hubertson. Do I try to like shoot the moon here and pick Arizona too? Just like get real bad real quick. Um, I, I I think Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State. Mississippi, Mississippi State is gonna Mississippi fuck them up. Uh, Damn it. Give me, give me Mississippi State. That is the bad vibes game of the week. Then. Oh, <laughs> hey, that's not what I would have picked, but it, it happened. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Uh yeah I've yeah I've got uh, I've got Mississippi State winning that one too okay 4:30 Pacific UCLA traveling to San Diego to play San Diego State this one's on CBS Bruins will probably be favored Greg who wins who covers this one's tough uh, I I want to take UCLA in this one uh, they looked bad it's non-conference though and we've seen irrefutable evidence that Chip could not give less of a fuck about non-conference i'll still take ucla but whatever the line is san diego state will cover it grapes what did san diego state do they've won two games against ohio and idaho state um i'll pick ucla (laughs) matthew Hubertson. yeah chip doesn't care san diego state Oh, oh wow doesn't care that much read ucla and closer than it should be yeah, I've also got UCLA in an annoyingly close game. So we will see how that goes. 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks, UC Davis traveling to Corvallis to play Oregon State. Uh, this is another FCS game, so I'm pretty sure the line will be off anyway. But how much uh, did the Beavers win by, Ravery? Ravery. Um, the Beavers will win. Oh, we haven't seen Oregon State play yet. They're going to win by 25 points. Matthew Richardson? Carlos, remind me, where's this game at? <laughs> in Corvallis? Oregon State by a billion. Reed? Oregon State by a lot. Greg? Damian Martinez, 200 rushing yards. Oregon State Ooh. by a lot. Bang. DJ Uyunglele, 300 passing yards. Oregon State Ooh. by a lot. Kicking off Pac-12 After Dark at 7.30 p.m. Oklahoma State traveling to Tempe to play ASU on FS1. OK State almost certainly will be favored. Matt, who wins? Sicko's game of the week. Oh. oh. These two teams fucking suck. Ooh. 
<laughs> Don't watch this game. These two teams are bad. Big 12 football is bad. I think ASU is going to win. I think oh. they're going to score 15 points. <laughs> 15 or 16. I can't decide which number I like better. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Valid. Uh, Reed. I'm riding with Dilshada. I got ASU winning this one. Dilshada. Wow. Greg. I am going to take Oklahoma State. Uh, ASU was looked worryingly, and I need to take my position back as Pac-12 hater of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. For years, even entering this year, after what you saw last year, you were like, ooh, the Pac-12 whoa, 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 whoa. Been pretty overrated. Entering this year, I did not say the Pac-12 was going to be bad. This is a first for me, but I need to go back to my roots and say <laughs> Oklahoma State beats ASU. Grapes. I'm keeping the good times rolling. I'm I'm backing the pack. Go ASU. There it is. Um, I don't know where I'm gonna go with this one. I think I'm gonna pick ASU, which violates my rules because Oklahoma State scored 27, ASU only scored 24. When so. were you aware of Oklahoma State as an entity? When, when did Chug, you hear our buddy Chug in the Oklahoma chat State. when he got out of the chat wanted to shut the fuck up about them oh, Jesus <laughs> at 7.30pm Auburn traveling to Berkeley to play Cal on ESPN game of the year let's go Auburn almost maybe will be favored probably Reed who wins my Cal <laughs> Golden Bears are gonna win this one they're gonna blow the doors off of Auburn whoa Cal by a milli. Wow, Greg. <laughs> uh, Cal's going to be humiliated in this game. Uh, oh, shit. Auburn is going to beat the shit out of them. Wow. Okay. Grapes? I think Cal's going to win. Cal convinced me. I am convinced. Yeah. Cal. <laughs> Cal convinced. That's good. <laughs> nice, nice. Beth Hubertson. Um, I need, I need... A Hugh Freeze tarmacking. Oh, oh please, for the love of God. This is entirely a Hugh Freeze hate pick. It's not a sound pick at all because I think Hugh Freeze is probably going to make Justin Wilcox look like an idiot. But fuck Hugh Freeze. Go Cal. Yeah, I've got Cal. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Auburn did score a lot of points, but so did Cal. Give me Cal, though. It's in Berkeley and shit can get weird at Cal if people are paying attention. The Pac-12 um, may never lose again. That's what we're saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, except in this next game, because it is a conference game, Stanford traveling to LA to play USC in the Coliseum on Fox at 7.30 Pacific. USC will almost certainly be favored, so we will actually get a Pac-12 loss this week. We cannot go undefeated this season, this week. But, Greg, who wins and by how much? Yeah, uh, USC wins by a lot. I mean, who on Stanford's defense is going to defend any of USC's <laughs> players? USC had like 14 guys catch passes against Nevada. Any of those guys could have touchdowns against Stanford. Uh, it's, it's not going to be close. I'm not going to watch. Grapes? Yeah, it's unfortunately too early in the season for Stanford to seize. So mm -hmm. USC is going to win this one. Uh, I've got USC uh, by a lot. I think I think Stanford will be competitive, though. I do think Stanford will put up some points because I think they've got a little bit of firepower. I'm really curious to see what they do with Ashton Daniels. It's going to be fun. Reed. One, Greg, David Bailey exists, and he is awesome. Uh, two, if this was on the farm, maybe I could convince myself of something weird happening, but... Since it's in the Coliseum, uh, I'll take USC by probably a lot. 
USC right. is a Big Ten school, and uh, Pac-12 will never lose again. I'm picking USC. <laughs> it would have been fun. There it is. There it is. All right. Well, that's it. Let's get out of here. We're back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week two. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Thank you all so much for tuning in to get updates when we go live. And, of course, we're going to drop this on your podcast feeds every Monday at 5 a.m. Pacific. For now, that's Avery. That's Greg. That's Matt. That's Reed. I'm Carlos. Thank you for joining us live for this marathon. Big old episode here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We'll see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Especially playing these big 12-ass schools. Fucking losers. <laughs> Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick it makes you choke. The crowd falls in. The coffee's kicking in my patience. So everything said I'm lonely. It's so fucking funny. He's like, he's like, play my theme music. And someone immediately has it ready to go. <laughs> so he has someone fucking hired to be like, all right, Dion, Dion's in here. He's ready to play his theme music. <laughs> 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 <laughs>